Today, I had the very special pleasure of talking to Marine Van Buren from Event Mender. Event Mender is a website that has taken and done all of the demos of all of the platforms that currently exist for event managers and AV guys doing hybrid and virtual events and boiled it down to a very easy to understand tool that makes it easy for you to select what you want. In this conversation, we spoke about the platforms, of course, what happened before COVID and after COVID, what the next 12 months of platform are doing and how they're dealing with the constant changing requirements of everyone in the industry. So please enjoy today's conversation. So, Marijn, thank you so much for joining me on The Better Podcast. Thank you so much, Benjamin. It's a pleasure to be here and honored to be your guest. Oh, honored. For those who don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. I like to keep it short and to the point. My <laughs> name is Marijn von Buren, and recently I started EventMender, which is a platform that brings together event professionals and event service providers, in this case, specifically event tech platforms. Do you have an events background or, or where, where, where does that sort of desire for the events platform come from? I've always been a tech person, like I have a big affection for technology. So that's one part, more the event side. I started very early in like music, a lot of actually event professionals I talk about or talk to, they also started as a DJ, kind of yep. <laughs> introduces you to the scene, but that's very my path as well. Um, also did a lot of the kind of catering side of things where I had to mm -hmm. just be on different type of festivals, events, kind of uh, being a hostess. Um, yep. And I really, really loved the space, really loved the social connection with people. Um, so I always had a affection with events. And eventually through my path, I ended up in a physical event company doing business to business conferences and events. Then the pandemic happened. Yeah, unfortunately. but. For me, that gave actually the biggest opportunity I've ever had because no one in the company knew what to do. And because I had quite a tech background and in the past, I actually helped blockchain investors meet okay. via Zoom. So they didn't have to travel all the world to hear a pitch. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, why don't we do something like this? And I had two weeks to pretty much fix the biggest event of the year because it was due <laughs> in two weeks. They had no solution. Everything was canceled. Oh, but all the sponsorship... Uh, value was already you know spent on everything to make the event happen so they couldn't really afford to pay back the two million of sponsorship value that was involved at Oof. that time and i was like i'll find a solution two weeks fine <laughs> let's make it happen um didn't know a lot at that point but i went on a journey i quickly realized zoom wasn't really the right thing because our Exhibitors really needed to have a boot. They needed to connect and network outside of just the sessions. And then, yeah, we found a solution, made it happen, retained all the sponsorship values. A lot of happy people because we were the first in the industry to do it. It was exciting. Obviously, we failed in a lot of ways, but we actually did a successful event. Uh, learned an awful lot. And then another company approached me and was like, hey, you did this for them. Can you do that for me? And that's where I really started for myself more or less like a inter intermediate slash consultant to help physical event companies transition to virtual. And that's how I eventually got to the idea. Like there's so many platforms out there. A lot of event professionals, including myself, actually struggle with the vast majority or the vast amount of platforms that are out there and really kind of 
translating what your event goals are to what platforms you actually need mm-hmm. and to just stay on top of whatever is going on because it's a quickly changing industry. Features are rolled yeah. out like like madness. So every time the the whole kind of transitions, some platforms merge with each other, other platforms come up. There are still new platforms coming up. Can you imagine that? And <laughs> it, yeah, some also oh, leave yeah. the space. So it's constantly changing. And for me, as a, someone who loves tech, it's already challenging. But for mm-hmm. an event professional, like they're already busy enough just managing the event, uh, making sure that everything is on place. They don't have the time energy or even the will to really do in-depth research stay in touch and up to date with all those platforms and there's there's not a place where you can do that so i thought that exactly. needs that needs to be there and that's Fantastic. where event man actually came in that's awesome awesome it's funny we have a very similar sort of beginning uh, i also dj'd the first events i ever put on were uh dance parties raves back back in the very very early 2000s, very late 90s. Yes, I'm showing my age there. Um, <laughs> and then I also went into catering as well. So funny little thing. It sounds like that event, um, two weeks to produce a massive event, very much a trial by fire. And I can see how that would have been an inspirational lead, like sowing the seed of like, I need to find a solution that fits my needs right now, super, super quick. And then, as you said, all of these events uh, platforms just popping up overnight, building features, trying to outdo each other. Suddenly there's there's quite literally hundreds of platforms. Obviously, that's why you built EventMender, as you said. So could you tell me a little bit about sort of, I mean, I understand why it needs to exist, but sort of what, what actually EventMender does? What we currently do with the platform or what we are able to do is not yet where I want it to be, but um, we are already able to kind of narrow down all the platforms that are out there to platforms that only match your restrictions. So it's not really tailored to your event goals yet. We're working on that. Requires a lot of data and making sure it actually makes sense and in the in the near future. But right now we can say like, okay, how big is your event going to be? Not all platforms support infinitive type of uh, attendees that can be there. Some are actually tailored for smaller events. Some are more for the bigger ones. And if you have an event for 50,000, you don't want to get a demo of a platform that is limited to 5,000 attendees, Mm -hmm. for instance. Mm -hmm. Then we have kind of the duration. Um, This mainly also impacts the price of the platform for some platforms, depending on their monetization. Um, So that is something we take into account. Is it only half a day? Is it multiple days? Is it maybe a 365, quote unquote, always on community that you're trying to launch? And then more on the experience side, like what are you trying to achieve? Is it going to be what I call a 2D platform, which is pretty much like a LinkedIn or a Zoom where uh, you don't have any 3D elements. It's, you know, very easy to use, great interface. Some people want a bit more of the 3D or maybe even go all the way to the, the virtual, completely immersed. That, that's obviously up to them. But then, yeah, for us, we kind of help them to already bring it down to those. Mm-hmm. And then what is the level of support you require? Some event professionals have been doing a lot of virtual events. They have a, an in-house tech team that can do pretty much everything, setting up the platform, um, tech support during the event. Some organizers don't. So in that sense, what is really your requirements in terms of support? Mm-hmm. And then pretty important one, like what is 
your budget going to be and um, based upon those parameters um, that's where we're actually working on right now to make it as transparent as possible or at least give people a good estimation of what they can expect so based upon mm-hmm. those parameters we narrow down the platforms um, and the next step there is to kind of um, also calculate the price that is more or less going to cost based on those parameters and then we have a whole list of all the features within that platform so they can really look at the platform and say oh they have all the features i also want they are within my price range within whatever restrictions or demands i have for my event and that really that already helps event professionals a lot because at the moment you just have to go into maybe a g2 or like whatever kind of directory Mm. or listing you have 300 platforms out there Mm. you can narrow them down at certain points but it's not really translating for you like I know a few parts of my event and what platforms are actually within that range. So you don't have to do 300 demos or, or even more, but you can just narrow it down to the platforms that actually match your requirements. And the next step is take that even further and really match it on your event goals, what you're trying to achieve, what's kind of the ambience of your event, what attendees do you have? And based on then historical data, say like, okay, these platforms have performed the best within that specific industry, within that specific type of event with for those specific type of attendees. But that's, mm-hmm. that's still work in progress. There's a lot there. And I can, I mean, I can absolutely see how that level of sort of customizing my search as an event manager, anyway, that level of customizing my search would be incredibly helpful. I won't lie, I have thought about trying to build something like this myself, but looking at the amount of work involved, I'll leave it to someone like you. I want to, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the platforms. In in my view, there's really pre-COVID, post-COVID platforms. There's a lot of these big enterprise systems like Cvent and stuff like that have, who were around for a long, long time before, even Hopin, for a time before COVID hit uh, where everyone went virtual. And they had a certain offering where it was, I believe very, very expensive. It was really only for enterprise level stuff. And then, and then of course you had the Zooms and stuff, which was just for call. And then post COVID you had 150,000 new platforms come out. Where in your experience, um, where was kind of the inflection point for COVID? I know potentially, I mean, Bettercast was built from out of COVID uh, because I personally couldn't find any system uh, for uh, my wife's event that was under $50,000, right? So that that was, I went, oh, well, screw it. I'll just build myself. But where did you see an inflection point uh, between post-COVID and new COVID, I guess, uh, for the platforms? Where was that change happen? It was pretty much like around six months into the pandemic. That's mm-hmm. where a lot of fee providers or event apps that pretty much focused only on in-person events realized like, okay, this is not going to be over as soon as we thought it was. And we really have to pivot. Like there's no other way because we need to generate income somewhat, somehow. And virtual event platforms was kind of the the only thing they could do at that point, at least that was how it looked like. And that's where you saw a massive influx of new platforms popping up everywhere. Like it uh, it really was like mushrooms, pop, 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 pop. everywhere <laughs> they, they came up. But uh, you see now a few of them that kind of only took that as a, not backup option, but like a a more or less desperate move. Like I have to do something because otherwise I'm going to lose my business. They are now Mm. with in-person slowly returning, being like, okay, 
event platform was great, but our core business is still in maybe AV, maybe in event tech in general. Um, so I'm going to take a step from the virtual events and actually go back to what I used to do before the pandemic. So it was mm. a big boom. And now it's, I think it's kind of slowly stabilizing, which I think is a, is a good thing to, for the mm. industry to consolidate too much options is, is never, never good, but never good. there are still enough options out there. believe me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, uh, for a lot of the platforms I saw during COVID, there was a lot of the new ones seemed very much hybrid uh, or virtual is forever now. And they didn't really think about, well, when events go back in person, do, do, is that what you saw as well? Like a ton of these just virtual only. And, and that's what, like, what did you see? It was really kind of following whatever the the mindset of the industry was at that point. Like before COVID, there wasn't, nah, n- not a lot of people were thinking about virtual. So no one even had it on their agenda. Then they were forced into it. And at a certain point, it looked like COVID is going to stay here forever and we're never going back to in person. Mm-hmm. So for them, and also in their own best interest, it was, they had to kind of, convince everyone from like virtual is never going away it's the only thing it's the only thing we can ever do because that also generates business for them at that point besides the fact that they believed in it and then you saw the world slowly opening up um the first kind of smaller meetings were possible and that's where they realized like okay there is still in person going on but we have this virtual event platform and we said it's never going away so we kind of have to make a in between option and that's where i think the hybrid solutions really came up and like within a a month or so everyone was positioned like hybrid event platform and flexible for everything that's possible um so i think yeah it really followed kind of however the industry was feeding they kind of Mm -hmm. tailored their marketing efforts in this case um to that situation do you think that the volume of events, I mean, well, we know that the, the number of events that were happening before COVID are nowhere near what was happening uh, during COVID, it was a massive downturn. And all of these platforms came along to go, hey, do it online, do it online. Are the platforms as busy as we think they are or are they, are they as busy as they are telling us they are? What's your insight? Um, well, there's kind of a few groups um i would say mainly it's the ones that either already were established before covid that had quite a solid user base that even though either they were super busy or not really busy during virtual they're still busy now because those customers are pretty loyal that's what we Mm. have in the event industry it's once you know someone you have established a relationship and a connection most likely you will go back to the party once you've had a one good experience that worked you're like oh it works so i can do it again and again and again it's the easiest rather than keep it keep searching that's how the event industry works for a large part then you had a few new ones that were actually able to massively scale. like in that short amount of time they were all of a sudden doing like 20 to 30 events in a week uh which <laughs> like wow if they were able to actually have an uh, event professional that actually is one of the event professionals now that still believes in virtual and still is like, this is the future and I have to do it, they will also stay with them because they actually mm-hmm. were able to help them through pretty much one of the roughest times within their whole career. And that really builds a bond with, with those customers, with those platforms. It's something that uh, most likely they will keep using or keep 
being in touch with that specific platform because it pretty much saved their life. And then you have the kind of, I don't want to say late adopters, but the ones that weren't able to get too much traffic going in during the pandemic. They were obviously doing like a few events uh, a week, which is still, especially for a small team, a lot to pull off. But then maybe one or two big clients stayed on and a lot of the smaller ones were like, yeah, hmm. I'm, I'm for now I'm going back to in person for instance and those are at the moment not in the most busiest time they've ever been <laughs> I can tell you that much so it, it runs the gamut a little bit I think there are a few mm -hmm. ones that just stayed stable more or less stable throughout the whole period few that really pumped they aren't as busy as they were during the pandemic it's no longer 30 to 50 events in a week it's more like an event a day maybe two events per day on average, which I think is still quite a, a good amount of business. And then you have those that, if they're lucky, they have like five events in a month. And that's something you also see because you had to scale up to a capacity of your team to facilitate 50 events in a week or 20 events in a week. And now that kind of the demand drops, then you have this huge, huge workforce with you that in most cases is no longer really what's needed to pull off the events that you're currently uh, having to facilitate so that's something that especially in the bigger platforms that really saw a, a huge surge you see that lately not as much but in the two three months ago there were like a few big platforms that had to lay off 20 to 30 percent of their employees just mm. yeah there's there's less event being going on a lot of people are kind of revenge event uh, organizing in terms of the the, the on-site in-person experience they really were like yeah we couldn't do it for two years we have to go back dropped yep. all the virtual stuff now in the last month or two you see a lot of event professionals actually coming back from that because they're like oh yeah mm -hmm. i see now maybe 60 percent of my attendees turns up instead of the 100 percent that yep. i was expecting there's no way to <laughs> you know expand your audience unless you're implementing a virtual component to it and that's where a lot of organizers now after they took their revenge and they were all back into in person they're like oh yeah Actually, that virtual did make a lot of sense because I can be a lot more inclusive. I can expand my reach. So yeah, that's where now it's slowly, slowly shifting back. Yep. And how are you seeing the platforms? So as you said, event the, the platforms were here saving the day. Event managers are like, now we're going back in person. Now we're realizing we're getting, you know, 50%, 60% of the attendance we expected we would get we expected everyone to run back but they did how are you seeing platforms adapt to that particular style of of events where it's like well we're only looking to pick up 10 or 20 percent of what we expected it's not a full replacement are they adapting to that i think yeah not not specifically like pivoting as as much as they did before because they have the hybrid concept which is pretty much a good fit because it doesn't have to be per se like synchronous like at the same time it can be Mm -hmm. at different times a lot of event organizers are still struggling with the budget so that is where yeah they really have to think about how to position themselves in a way that it doesn't become a huge burden for that event professional that there's a lot of uh, prices going up for in person it's just the way it is like all the fees are going up it's either because of the recession or because of people mm. kind of having to 
quote-unquote revenge take take their revenue back of the past two years that they have been missing out on but it's also the demand because all of a sudden everyone wants to organize events all at the same time it means that there's limited amount of actual players that can facilitate that demand which means prices go up it's as simple as that so yeah then an event organizer still wants to do everything add a virtual component and make it as big as possible but then budget comes into play and that's where a lot of platforms play with kind of their pricing models especially for hybrid that it isn't that big of an add-on but still provides the value that they're looking for especially if they're quote-unquote only looking to have that 20 to 30 percent of attendees being added to it not really go beyond that 100 percent which is it's fine you know so then in that sense a lot of platforms are playing with their pricing models but it's not that they're completely pivoting to a new setup it's more that they tailor the hybrid setup that they have experienced for the past year or so um more to to the current situation of the event planner. So in your experience with all of these platforms, um, I want to talk about kind of where where they've been failures. Uh, you've mentioned budget a lot and, you know, the whole impetus for Bettercast was, was a budget thing. It was just too expensive. I'll build, right, because I, I can build and it's cheaper and I can get what I want. Um, where are you seeing these platforms kind of fail production teams generally like where, where could they be they be picking up their game to, to better support them i was wondering like is that more on the av production side or production as in event production in general so f- for me i mean i'm more interested in the av side of things the actual physical production side of stuff but i guess across the board uh but yeah like for where we, where are you seeing them fail the actual producers the people with the cameras phil i would I think it's a too big of a word, but one of the things that most platforms are lagging in, we are right now recording this podcast. I think it's like, it says uh, 2160p, so like above mm-hmm. full HD. And a lot of platforms are capped at 1080, which it is sharp enough. But if you have a 4K or maybe even an 8K camera standing on site and you have the possibilities of 5G that kind of promise you zero lag and being able to stream 4k at all times and then you're streaming you have to kind of break down your high quality of 8k to 1080 and then also have a 10 second delay on top of that because maybe the infrastructure isn't optimized as much that's something that can really make or break your event not just in terms of the quality but also if i'm a very active speaker and I like to interact with the audience as much as possible. 10 seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but the audience is feeling kind of not per se left behind. And yeah, if you have a really good speaker, they can make it work still, even though it's 10 seconds late. But preferably you want to be direct. The moment someone says something, you're like, hey, I see that you're saying this, this person and great idea or a great question. Here's my answer. So they are completely engaged and feeling part of as if it is quote-unquote in person and that's where a lot of platforms can really improve just because yeah 10 1080 full hd it's it's great don't get me wrong like you know that's what i mean it's not failing but that's what they really need to in order to take it to the next level because that av company invested in the most expensive camera to get the best results and then you are not able to really bring it to its full potential and that's that's something you see in the av that they're like Mm, yeah could have been better um but in terms of of integrations pretty much everything is possible you can connect to to everything like a lot of platforms have 
all the different stream options you you want to have. So in that sense, it's mm. it's versatile. They can link up everything they want to link up. But yeah, that that's I would say the only point, like really the quality and kind of okay. the the lag that that just happens. A lot of the AV guys that I would know. Uh, if they have a 4K camera and internet that can support a 4K stream, yet the platform is doing at most 720, the words they would use would probably be a little, be a little bit more harsh than, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to keep it, uh, keep PG. it nice here. Keep yes. it PG, yeah. You would probably see that more, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you'd probably see that more in platforms pre-COVID uh, than the post-COVID sort of platforms where they had a large investment already in infrastructure and technology and for them to which 720 is fine you know or 1080 max is fine at an additional cost but the new guys are like well we'll just build an infrastructure that goes up to 4k and that sort of thing so i, I guess that's probably where the big differentiator is it is very rare at the moment you mainly see it in custom-made platforms that are pretty much for enterprises that have huge budgets to make that happen because it does require quite some investment but for pretty much the the general platform that is available or that is more or less scalable as in you can reuse it for multiple different types of event and obviously change the setup and the amount of features etc but that is kind of standardized they all cap out if you're lucky at 1080 better cast can do 4k (coughs) (laughs) you know just say (laughs) <laughs> so I think I think you're in a very unique position to see what are the platforms doing now to really deal with sort of the next 12 months. And I guess also attend like event managers as well. So what are you seeing over the next 12 months happening? Because it's all very, the conversation is no one knows what's actually going on. No one knows what's going to happen and no one seems to know what they want to have happen. What are you seeing people generally go towards? I quickly mentioned like consolidation within the industry and with that also kind of more niching down. Obviously, when we started, everyone was like, I can do any event for any type of event organizers for any industry that's out there. In some ways that is true, but I still am very much convinced that each platform has their own unique setup, which is just happens to be a better match for a certain type of event organizer, a certain type of attendee, a certain type of industry, and or certain types of event. And that's where you now already see quite a few platforms that are like, I'm only for networking, I'm only for conferences, I'm only here for uh, fundraising, I'm only here for business to business, I'm only here for content between marketing and content, and I'm only here for community building. And that's where I think a lot more platforms are going to differentiate themselves from the rest of the industry because it is such a crowded space Mm -hmm. with all those event platforms all claiming to do all the different types of events it just makes a lot more sense like the riches are in the niches is what they say and also yeah after industry really boomed you always see kind of a consolidation and people doubling down in the events they like to do the most in the industry they like to be active the most and i think that's what we're going to see a lot more happening definitely in the next year especially in the in the long term going to be some takeovers here and there platforms that are just going to collaborate few as i mentioned that going back to the roots of where they actually started if they started during the 
the pandemic. And then yeah, what's left behind is the ones that really specialize in one certain area or maybe two specific areas, but do that very, very well. So they can really ensure they are the best match for that particular part of the industry. And that's something that we are going to see a lot more. Besides the fact that I think the quality, like we mentioned, for instance, the 1080p and getting that kind of lag to a minimum i think those kind of things it's going to mature a, a lot more like we kind of put all the features that we could find in there and now we're going to see like okay if i look at all the event data that i collected from all the previous events these are the specific features that work the best let's double down on that make them as good and solid as possible um, let's make the quality as high as possible uh, the platform as stable as possible as as secure as possible as well mm-hmm. um, and then kind of drop all the other things that not really working, like double down on what's working and more or less drop what is not working. I think that's what we're going yeah. to see, which pretty much means that the market is maturing and I'm looking very much forward to that. Yeah. Although it sounds like it's going to get harder for event managers and AV teams to find the platform they need, or they're going to need to have five different platforms because people are specializing. Um, and I guess also when you're talking about quality, the technology or the tech stack of each of these events uh, platforms needs to increase and change. Um, because if you want to stream, uh, as most of the viewers you know may be aware, if you want to stream a 2K uh, stream at two or three seconds um, latency, like you, you need to use at minimum like you know SDI or something like that. Because uh, RTMP won't cover that. That's you know. 20 seconds type thing and WebRTC, it's Zoom, you'll never get 4K WebRTC. You know I mean? so, so I feel, yeah, it's very interesting that it's like it's going to fracture and combine and change. It's really interesting. <laughs> <So it's, laughs> All at the same time. So really, yeah, it's gonna, so yeah. it's going to stay confusing, which is why people need something like Event Mender. <laughs> That's absolutely back true. back full circle. Yeah. So I guess um, – with event manager, like who is who's going to benefit from? Because uh, we we work predominantly with AV teams or the people who watch the podcast or AV. Um, is is event manager really for them, or is it for the event managers? Like who's going to benefit from from you know using a service and how does it work? There are a few kind of top users of the platform. One of the things is definitely AV providers because a lot of event professionals they just ask their AV provider to find the right platform because they're like you're the person who is in the tech space and mm. you know what you need in order to get the best results from your recordings, from your tech setup. Um, so you decide on the platform for me. And a lot of AV providers are like, yeah, the, great that you asked me and I know a few platforms, but it's not my bread and butter to find out the mm. right platform for you. I don't really want to do that. I just want to make a great production and not be worried uh, about that. And that's where we help the AV providers. On the other hand, you have quite a few um, more individual event planners that maybe have a, a smaller team. They do also work with um, AV providers, but they kind of um, build more of the strategy of an event for different organizations, for different type of events. And they really struggle with giving the best advice because they are the person that advises that corporation or that company to do an event a certain way to build the whole strategy, design the event. And then the platform is a big part of that. And how do you take into Mm -hmm. account what the actual platform is that you're going to need in order to facilitate the experience you want your your clients or the the end client 
the end customer to have. And that's where they are also struggling. So it's kind of both of those audiences. Mm. Uh, in the longer term, it's going to be even a lot more, but uh, we're, we're slowly starting and this is what we currently focus on. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Marin, Ma- Marin, I got that right. Marin? Almost. Marin? Marin. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you so much. Um, uh, how can, like, is it eventmender.com? That's correct. Um, And you can always find me on LinkedIn. That's like the platform I'm pretty much mainly or only actually active on. Um, Happy to take a a direct message in the chat uh, if you have any questions. I'm here to help the event industry, so feel free to reach out. Fantastic. And thank you so very, very much for talking to us on The Better Podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. 